Ah, yes. The age-old question of why we don't have T-Rex-sized puppies running around. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of No Small Boy Stuff. I'm your host, Mike, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Alex. Hey, what's up, guys? Excited to be here and dive into some fascinating topics with you all today. Absolutely, Alex. So today we're going to discuss some of the hottest topics on the Ask Science subreddit. We've got questions about water storage, hair growth, massive dinosaurs, human faces, and the respiratory rate during anaerobic exercise. Oh man, these topics sound really interesting. I can't wait to get into them and see what we can learn from each other and our listeners. For sure, it's going to be another great episode. So sit back, relax, and join us as we dive into these fascinating questions and explore the world of science and beyond. All right, let's do this. Stay tuned, everyone, as we jump right into our first topic. All right, so first up on our list is a question about water storage. The post asks, does properly stored water ever expire? Pretty interesting, right? Yeah, definitely. I've always wondered about that, especially when I find a water bottle at the back of my closet that's been there for who knows how long. Well, according to the comments, water is a very stable compound and won't ever expire. It's actually quite fascinating how pure water contains no nutrients or calories for bacteria to feed off of, so it remains fairly stable. That's pretty cool. But what about the containers we store water in? I mean, I know you, Mike, and you probably have water bottles from the Jurassic period lying around. Very funny, Alex, but you do bring up a good point. The comments mention that water is a powerful solvent, and over time it can dissolve some minerals and nutrients, including those from the containers themselves. So it really depends on the type of container the water is stored in. Interesting. So if I wanted to store water for like a million years, what kind of container should I use? Well, one of the comments suggests using a glass ampule, which is a container that's fused at the top using a torch. It's what lab workers use for a perfect seal. So maybe you should invest in some of those for your water storage, Alex. Great, I'll get right on that. Who knows, maybe I'll still be around in a million years to enjoy that perfectly preserved water. You never know with all the advancements in science these days. Anyway, that's it for our water storage discussion. Moving on to our next topic, we have a question about aging and hair growth. The post asks, as you age, hair sprouts in places it didn't grow. What's happening with the follicles? Are they new or dormant ones awakening? Oh man, I feel personally attacked by this question. I swear I'm finding hair in places I didn't even know existed. Haha, <laughs> well, according to the comments, it's all about testosterone. The prolonged or increased engagement of testosterone can cause hair to thicken, lengthen, and darken, making it more noticeable. So basically my body is just trying to make me more manly? I guess you could say that. The comments also mention that most people's bodies are covered in tiny little vellus hairs that they might not even realize are there. When we start to notice areas getting hairier, it's usually because the hairs are getting longer, thicker, and darker, and maybe more follicles are active at once. Well, that's certainly an interesting way to look at it. I guess I'll just have to embrace my newfound manliness and all the hair that comes with it. That's the spirit, Alex. Just remember, it's all part of the aging process, and we're all in this together. So keep rocking those extra hairs with pride. Thanks, Mike. I'll do my best. And to all our listeners out there, remember, age is just a number, and hair is just, well, hair. Embrace it and keep on being your awesome selves. All right, here's an interesting topic. Why were some terrestrial dinosaurs able to reach such incredible sizes, and why has nothing come close since? Ah, yes. 
the age-old question of why we don't have T-Rex-sized puppies running around? Well, according to the comments, it's actually a pretty complex answer. There were several factors that allowed dinosaurs to grow enormous, such as pre-adaptations to gigantism, better respiration systems, lighter bones, and an oxygen-rich environment. I guess it's a good thing we don't have gigantic animals like that anymore. Can you imagine the size of the pooper scooper you'd need for a T-Rex-sized dog? Haha, no thank you. But it's interesting to note that some massive animals did exist after dinosaurs, like giant sloths, bears, and even the blue whale, which is the largest living organism ever. But many of these large animals went extinct, possibly due to human influence or changes in the environment. So what you're saying is if it weren't for us humans, we might still be riding giant sloths to work? Well, I wouldn't go that far, but it's interesting to think about how the world might look if some of these colossal creatures still roamed the Earth. Definitely gives you something to ponder. But for now, I'll stick with my regular-sized dog and the normal-sized pooper scooper. Next topic. Here's an interesting question for you, Alex. Is the morphology between human faces significantly more or less varied than the faces of other species? Hmm. That's a fascinating question, Mike. I mean, I've always thought my face was one of a kind, but maybe I'm not so special after all. Well, according to the comments, humans actually do have the most facial variety among great apes, with orangutans coming in second place. But there are some wasps that have unique patterns on their heads and demonstrate complex facial recognition, even among humans. Wow. Wasps recognizing human faces? That's both impressive and slightly terrifying. I guess I'll have to be nicer to them now. It's also worth noting that humans may perceive the faces of unfamiliar species as more homogeneous than they really are. For example, a farmer with prosopagnosia, which is face blindness, can recognize individual sheep, but not people. So if you spent more time with, say, elephants, you might start to see more diversity in their features. That's incredible. So maybe I just need to hang out with more elephants to truly appreciate their unique beauty. But for now, let's move on to the next topic, shall we? All right, Alex, last question for today. Why does respiratory rate increase during anaerobic exercise if muscles use glycogen as fuel, not oxygen? Oh, man, Mike, you're really making me flex my brain muscles here, but let's dive into what the comments say. During intense exercise, we reach an anaerobic threshold where the demand for energy exceeds the body's ability to supply it using just aerobic metabolism. At this point, anaerobic metabolism supplements the maximal aerobic capacity, so a high respiratory rate is still needed to continue aerobic metabolism. Interesting. So it's like a tag team situation between aerobic and anaerobic metabolism. I always knew teamwork was important, even in our bodies. Exactly. And another important aspect is that both aerobic and anaerobic metabolism produce CO2 as a waste product. When the production of CO2 increases, our body detects it and triggers an increased respiratory rate to maintain blood biochemistry stability. So in a way, it's like our bodies are trying to find the perfect balance while we're sweating it out at the gym. Science truly is amazing, isn't it? It definitely is. And with that, we've reached the end of today's episode. Thanks for joining us on No Small Boy Stuff, and we'll catch you next time. See you later, everyone. Keep flexing those brain muscles. Hey, listeners, just a quick note that No Small Boy Stuff is a podcast completely generated by AI. If you're interested in creating your own podcast, head over to www.nosmallboystuff.io for more information.